My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. We can all get these symptoms from time to time. But if you or a loved one notice you're getting a combination of them regularly, don't ignore it. They could be signs of a brain tumour. My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. To learn more about the common signs of a brain tumour, search Better Safe Than Tumour. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours, the podcast where we'll be talking to people who've been affected by a brain tumour diagnosis, either their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of a loved one. We'll also be sharing news and updates from the Brain Tumour Charity about what we're doing to halve the harm and double survival. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm here with Andy. And we're going to be talking today to Carly and Rob about their experiences of having a craniotomy. So welcome to the podcast. Carly, would you like to give a little introduction to yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and how you've come to be here today. Hello. Yeah, thank you. So my name is Carly. I was initially diagnosed with a brain tumour following a one-off seizure that I had in the middle of the night. And um, after being referred for an MRI scan, that's when the cause was detected as a brain tumour. So from that initial um, diagnosis I was then referred for surgery which I went ahead with in January 2018. I've been uh, monitored ever since then so for the past four and a half years and although things remained fairly stable there's just been very subtle bulking or growth to what they couldn't remove in initial surgery and therefore I'll be undergoing another awake craniotomy in just under two weeks time wow wow another one gosh sure we're gonna have a conversation about that in a moment um rob do you want to tell us a little bit about you yeah hi so it's rob it was last year i was diagnosed i had a seizure at work in actual fact whilst i was at work in my chair and i dislocated my shoulder and that was the thing i went to the hospital for and then my shoulder got sorted and then nothing else came from that. And it was a couple of weeks later that we went just for a short break at a caravan when I had a couple of, they weren't seizures, but they were almost blank moments. That led to me going into the hospital again. And it was at that point after I think CT and MRI scan that they said I had a, a brain tumour. And so I had a, an awake craniotomy on 1st of July last year. But touch wood, it all went very well. And in a bit of a similar way, I've just monitored for for the period since. So my next scan will just be September. But like I say, touch wood so far has all been been very good since. Thanks, Rob. So you both had incidental findings with your tumours. It was both bit of a shock to suddenly find out that a seizure and then that's it you're diagnosed yes yeah huge shock from yeah just like I say one-off seizure um sounds similar for what Rob went through as well it's it's such a huge shock because there's no other symptoms or very yeah very small kind of rare other side effects that might be noticed before for anyway this the type of brain tumor that I have 
So I'm going to hand over to Andy. Andy, you're going to explain a little bit about what a craniotomy is because you've also had a craniotomy yourself, haven't you? Have, yeah, I'll try to explain it. I mean, mine was a meningioma five years ago, um, discovered in A&E after I'd been blue-lighted down there with quite interesting symptoms. I guess I had it easy in the sense of mine was I had the luxury of being asleep, unlike you two guys who had to sort of stay awake through the whole operation, I guess. But um, so mine was a um, sort of five and a half hour operation. In terms of a craniotomy, generally, the, the description is that it's it's where they have to go through your skull in some shape or form to get to the brain tumour that they're trying to take out. So it, it's no matter what the size of the location, the craniotomy itself is is not to be taken lightly because they're doing, dare I say, the term I was told is they're taking power tools to your head, um, which is not what your head's designed for, and then doing some fairly delicate operations to your brain, um, and then putting your head back together again afterwards, should we say. So, But quite often, if the tumour's of a certain size or location that can't be treated through other means, it's quite often the last last option is the craniotomy to, to literally physically remove as much of the tumour as they can. So in terms of you guys, I mean, my, my, my experience leading up to it was a bit like yourselves, shock. I never knew what a brain tumour was until... I was in uh, A&E, someone telling me, you've got a large cranial mass. And and then we have the MDT meeting, various other discussions. And then they said, right, we're going to have to do an operation to take it out. And I thought, OK, what does that entail? I'd be interested to get your your views before I go through mine about what, what you were told beforehand um, in terms of leading up to your operation. So I, I can explain my situation um, so as I as I discussed, had a one-off seizure. Uh, I actually went to A and E immediately to be fully checked over with with standard routine A um, and E tests, which were all fine and clear. So then I was just referred actually for an MRI. It was a few weeks down the line, and that's where the brain tumor was then detected. So following that, I was then referred to um, a specialist. A neuro team in a local hospital to where I live, South Mead in Bristol. Um, and then I saw the head of their neuro team with regards to a follow-up consultation. So at that point, um, as I mentioned, he he advised that surgery was required. I wasn't, um, it wasn't urgent that I had it straight away, although he recommended if I didn't have it or accept kind of that I needed it at that point, then I would have to, he said it's likely that I would need it in a year or two. So that's when I opted to go in for the surgery. What made you think I'm not going to wait the year? What was your thinking around that? So at this point in time, obviously before, because it was before surgery, there wasn't any clear indication of exactly what it was at this point. So I couldn't get a full diagnosis of what type of tumour it was. However, he said it did, it, it appeared to be slow growing. Um, it appeared to be low grade. But for me and from my perspective, I didn't want to just leave it. And just my immediate thought was I just want it removed. Um, and to be honest, though, this is before I knew any more detail about the surgery. So I knew it would be a wake craniotomy. But apart from that, I, you know, I knew nothing. I had no background at all. So I mean, it, is, it wouldn't have changed my opinion or my decision, but knowing that I had a brain tumour and what a huge shock it was, I just wanted it taken care of. 
I've heard a lot of people say that, that they don't like the idea of something growing in their head. So if they have the choice, they prefer to have it it's sort of treated and taken out so can I ask where yours was yes so it's in the uh, frontal left lobe of my brain um which is the I learned this uh, when I was also going through I think I feel like I know it very well now Uh, it it manages um speech movement and is actually kind of the, the emotional part of the brain as well in terms of actually but just before my seizure happened I woke up as if I'd had a nightmare which I remember very clearly mm. felt really uneasy but obviously just assumed it, it was a, a nightmare um, although I couldn't remember exactly what it was and it wasn't until I thought I'd get up to go for a, a glass of water um, that I had the seizure but when I explained how this all happened to my neuroconsultant he advised that actually that was obviously the start of the trigger for the seizure because the frontal left lobe is is yeah in kind of managing all um, emotions and feelings as well as speech and movement so because it was in that area of the brain that's why I needed the awake craniotomy so to have the speech and language and movement checks throughout the surgery. Did they uh, inform you of what might happen because mine was right parietal so sort of back top right and that controls a lot of the sort of movement and balance and spatial awareness. Um, and my wife told me after my operation that as I was going down to the theatre, one of the, the the team said to her, by the way, be prepared that he might not be able to walk when he comes out of theatre. Now, I was never told that before oh, wow. that, but my wife was. So and I'm like, I was wondering what they said to you might mm-hmm. be the sort of possible implications of, of your operation. Yeah, so in terms of my pre-ops and leading up to the surgery, when I when I told them that that was my decision to go ahead with the surgery, I then had pre-ops booked in leading up to it. Um, and yeah, I was fully informed from my consultant and also the pre-ops that I had were to uh, with a speech and language therapist. Mm-hmm. It was also with the anaesthetist that would be with me throughout the whole surgery because obviously they're the ones that have to manage when you're awake um, and obviously, when you're more asleep, uh, so you, you know to to really carefully manage the dose that you're given to make sure that you're with them when they need you to be, but resting when they don't need to test. So that was quite detailed, actually, that I really appreciated because for me, I wanted to know as much detail as I could get, so I knew exactly what would happen during surgery. But also, they did advise that because of that part of the brain can impact uh, manages speech language and movement that it is fairly common that I might have a short-term speech impact and potentially some short-term impacts to my movement which actually for me personally both did happen after surgery it was very short term I'd say around two weeks before my speech came back in full and movement but to be totally honest I felt very quite relaxed with my recovery because they informed me of everything before obviously not an ideal situation there was things that kind of happened in surgery um, where they had to kind of stop um, because of the things that they were noticing and the testing they were doing I obviously wasn't performing the best of what they needed so there was a slight implication which caused the speech and, and movement impact. But like I say, for me personally, when I came around and recognised everything, 
I felt very calm because I was fully informed before the surgery. I wonder whether, Rob, your experience is is more similar, because I wonder whether it's to do with the fact that you were having an awake craniotomy, um, whereas, Andy, you were actually just asleep throughout, weren't you? And for an awake craniotomy, they keep you awake for certain parts of the surgery, don't they? What was your experience? I just wonder whether that might be why the difference in information that you're given, because obviously if you're going to be awake during the surgery... Yeah, you could you could be right. It's very similar to to what I've just heard that they were very clear to to the whole process of it. In, in fairness to them, mine was on the left side at the front. I had the the neuropsychologist speech as well, who went through went through everything that he would be doing whilst the surgery was ongoing, and and almost in a way was getting to know you so that he knew some of your interests a bit about you because he would talk to me during the the surgery to make sure that the speech and response and my I say behavior that's possibly the wrong word but uh, didn't change in a way that possibly affected the surgery as it was ongoing but my meetings prior to the surgery as well they were my consultant the surgeon they, they were they were very calm about it which really does put you at ease or put me to ease should I say sorry because they ultimately are the experts and it it made me think well because similarly I didn't know anything and I suppose whether that's with a lot of things that can happen to you you don't always know a lot about them unless yourself or somebody very close to you has been been affected so they were very clear very calm and and prior to the operation and and say during it as well, you know, I had every faith in in everything that that they said and went with went with their their idea because I think I think similarly they they didn't say I must one hundred percent have it out. I could have waited or I could have they could have tried some some treatment instead. I think it was radiotherapy that they suggested, but again they left that up to about my decision making. Once it explained what the surgery would be, and it, and again I think that is a massive help to understanding what's what's going on i mean i'm a i'm a wuss anyway so the thought even being in a hospital scares me so the whole going in for an operation scared me but on the actual morning of the operation i think because i knew it had to come out i was surprisingly calm and almost saying yeah let's let's do this let's get this on and i was pleasantly surprised i thought i'd be absolutely bricking it but actually, on the morning of the operation, when I went down, I was I was probably the calmest one in in, in the car because I was just like, "It's going to happen. You're in the hands of geniuses. You're on a kind of production line. What will happen will happen." My daughter said to me, "Bless her," she said, "You've got it easy, Dad, because if you don't wake up, you won't know. We're the ones that will." Which sounds a bit harsh, but that actually made me feel quite at ease. I thought, "Well, she's got a point, actually." But the thought of actually being awake during the operation i can't quite comprehend that because also for me i think what they said before your actual operation they give like a pre-drug or whatever it is just to calm your nerves before you go down to theater so i don't remember too much about the actual going down there and coming back up but how do you guys how do you cope almost with with knowing that you're going to be awake while they're messing around inside your head well just another touching point that's exactly right what you what your daughter said there in actual facts just that's a bit of a side issue, I suppose, in some ways. But obviously, if you've got people around you, 
you know, it can affect them as well. So in, in a lot of ways, I would say I was quite calm as well going into to the operation, mostly because of how they'd explained everything. You knew exactly what was going to go on. And also when when you're in the hospital going down to the operation, they they just they're chatting to you just as though you're just having a chat. A few little jokes because obviously there's the team. It's not just one person is it doing it. There's uh, there's there's the whole team there which um, almost do an incredible job. But they they just put you at ease, and then obviously you whilst they they do drill in to to start the operation, I was put to sleep, and then it's at that point then when they're ready. Obviously, they wake you up, and and from there. But so um, you actually sleep during the. The nasty bits in it, and then they wake you up. I didn't realize that. I thought you were kind of awake all the way through, and you had to sort of feel this thing going through your head. Okay, no, it was the same yeah. for mine, Rob. I was put asleep for that part as well. So, about you, Carly, during the actual operation itself, is it just because I think would I panic? Would I get anxious? Are you just is it almost like a, a business like this is going to happen, so I'll just go along with it? Yeah, I think I think what helped me before I went in is that I did, the hospital actually put me in touch with a guy who'd already been through a weight craniotomy. So I feel like hopefully uh, this podcast can be very helpful. And um, so I could speak to another patient that had been through the same surgery. I was advisor, and I think it's good to be aware that all patients are different. I think everyone has a very different experience of everything in life, but this surgery is definitely, definitely always different. For me personally, I don't remember a thing of being awake and my surgery was 14 hours. <laughs> wow, 14 wow. hours. Yeah, I think I think my the neurosurgeon who's the head of the team said it was the longest one he's ever done. So <laughs> I, I honestly don't, I vaguely remember like a tiny, tiny part of speaking to the, the speech and language therapist. But honestly, apart from that, I remember nothing. Whereas the guy that I'd spoke to before the surgery, he remembered most of it when when they woke him at different parts so for me yeah it was it was fine um do they put you do they wake you up put you to sleep do they is it yeah. kind of like a sleep awake sleep awake yes doing things yeah uh, well for me again Rob I don't know if yours was similar but yeah for me this is what they told me before they would so the anesthetist that's in there will you know has to be very careful the dosage and what they're giving because they need to wake you at certain parts but then at other parts, you know, they're happy for you to be asleep. So, yeah, they, they need to wake and, and put you to sleep according to how the surgery is going and what, what particular thing that they, they are doing. Yeah, I, I just think it, I think mine wasn't as long as that. So mine must have been a, a bit of a quicker a quicker one than the 14 hours. <laughs> I thought it was a long time, but I think I was awake for most of it, but the only I only remember very, very small things. One as it, it progressed towards, I think, near the end of, of the operation. It not un, uncomfortable that I suppose is is not to um get people to think it's it's you know, it just I think that's the only thing it was more uncomfortable because I think they were Obviously, having to be in as much to try and get as much of the tumor out as they could, and the chat with the the guy we spoke to earlier about it was it was things similar things to he put a picture up and he wanted you to explain what the picture was, so it could be something simple as that is a chair, and just again to monitor the speech and if there was anything that was off with that, 
I think that's at that point they would alert the surgeon and and they'd make a, a a change or a stop from there. But that's that in in a similar way, I suppose that's all I remember. You don't remember every single thing of it. I don't know if that's an, an actual thing for everybody or or not. But so there's no pain at that point. It's just do you feel like pressure or? Well, just there, uh, I'd say that just a slight bit of pressure just towards the end. I think that's all it was. But pain. I don't remember any any sort of pain throughout, if I'm honest. I know when um when I went in, um, walked into the into the surgery and led myself on the on the table, um, when they were starting to give me the yeah, everything to kind of fall so I fell asleep for the initial part that Rob talked about when they actually start and, and drill into the skull, they were really persistent and even in the pre-ops to say if you you know we're going to we're going to try and make you as settled as possible if you don't feel settled if you can feel anything at all then please just alert us straight away because they don't want you to feel any pain or you know they want you to feel as comfortable as possible so that I I mean luckily I didn't but they they were very persistent you know if you do then please tell us because they can manage it straight away um so that that was I think that built confidence as well for the surgery. After the operation, how did you, when you sort of came out of theatre, did you have any pain then or discomforts or how how are you sort of feeling emotionally as well? It took, a, for me personally, I've, it took a kind of couple of days to really be with it. I just felt, obviously they put you on, you know, extra strong kind of pain relief and things. So I was just generally, I think from as well, from the surgery and from, from that, just really tired. So the first couple of days were were okay, but again, I wasn't 100% with it, to be honest. When I did come round, um, I remember it's kind of just I had like a bad headache, to be honest, but they managed it well, and I just let them know how I was, how I was feeling. They'd obviously always come and check, and they'd give extra strong pain relief for for those things following surgery, depending how you're feeling. How about you, Rob? What was what was it like for you? Yeah, the, the same. How they they monitor how you are and and you know ask if if you have anything you know pains anywhere. Then obviously be be clear with them and they can manage that very well. If I'm honest, I, I don't remember actually having pain difficulties or headaches following it, which was obviously very fortunate in that way. Um, I think a lot of people would be really relieved to hear that because I think they automatically think, oh my, you know, I'm going to be in so much pain and this is going to be horrendous. How do they, how are they going to manage that? I think with the, with the extra medication they give you, you know, they would monitor that. And I was probably a bit hazy. I wasn't, um, you know, as, as clear as you would normally be in, in a normal day, I suppose, but the recovery after it um, in the first few days of I was in the hospital. I think I was in went in on a Thursday and Sunday tea time. I went home, so I wasn't in a, a huge amount of time really. Well, uh, when you think it's brain surgery, you know you think amazing, that's not. It? Yeah, it is amazing that they that you can be out that quickly. Were you out as quickly, Carly? Um, no. No, I wasn't out as quickly. Um, just because I had, um, like I said earlier, I had some impact to my speech and slight impact to movement. 
Um, although, like I said, it didn't didn't bother me at all. But they obviously wanted to keep me in slightly longer to make sure I was obviously making a good recovery before they discharged me. So I went in for surgery on a Monday and I was out the following Tuesday. So I was in for eight nights. But yeah, I'd see the speech and language therapist who was in the surgery with me. I'd see her daily um, Mm -hmm. and she'd come and help me do very like simple exercises, obviously for speech. But it was amazing that she gave the time to come see me daily. And yeah, I got amazing support to make you know make that recovery before I was discharged so it didn't bother me to be honest because I felt more comfortable being in there and getting that um you know that that attentive kind of service and and help before I left so for me it wasn't an issue what about you Andy? what were you yeah for me it was it was quite bizarre because I went in on the Thursday I had my op sort of midday Thursday to about six ish and then a couple of hours to come out sort of from to let all the anesthetic wear off and I was sort of back up on the ward and I had no pain at all throughout not even had a headache and I've got a that they had to cut a section of my skull out which is six inches by six inches triangle so it's quite a big chunk so I've got a hell of a scar but it's under the hairline so you can't see it and I did have this vision of them during the operation using that bit they cut off to keep their car keys in before they then finish the operation and sort of stuck it back on with a couple of clips. I've still got a couple of titanium clips in my head. But again, just for anyone worrying, it doesn't set off any airport scanners or anything like that. So everything's perfectly fine. But I was, so you came out of, for me, you came out, came round. I had a very tight white bandage around my head, which is fairly common. So that was the most uncomfortable thing of the whole process, to be honest, on the other side of it. And then by about 10 o'clock on the same day, I was actually texting people. So, mm-hmm. um, and I felt absolutely with it fine, no problem at all. So literally, what, three or four hours after the op finished, I was I'm obviously kind of cloud nine because I, I could move everything and I could speak. And just a bit of a laugh, I actually... I'd had a, a running joke with my three kids who were teen, teenagers at the time um, saying that you hear about operations where people have a going for if they come out of a coma, they can speak Chinese or Mandarin or a different language. So the first text I sent to anyone was to my three kids was a load of Chinese. And they said afterwards, they loved that because they knew I was still me. If that <laughs> Literally. So, I mean, for anyone who's having, I mean, I had an, if you call it a, a sleep craniotomy, but I never had a headache afterwards. And then the only bit that slightly hurt was when they took the staples out about, about a week afterwards. But that didn't really hurt. So I, was, I went in the hospital, you know, with arm to the teeth with paracetamols and all this thinking I was going to be in pain, but not, not a headache, nothing. It was quite, I almost felt... Like, not a fraud, but it just like I couldn't believe I had that level of intrusion in an operation and yet came out afterwards feeling just normal. Yes, fatigued, but feeling quite normal. You've had a mass in your head that shouldn't be there. You've had it removed. Do you feel, does it feel different? Like, do you suddenly think, oh, actually, there's there's a pressure release there? Do you, do you feel that? Or... Well, for me, sorry, because mine was quite big. No, not at all um no headaches the only thing i did feel was you get this clicking in your head i don't know if you guys got it which is quite common after an operation and i'm told that's the liquid sort of filling up the gaps where the brain was but but just quite bizarre i i I genuinely didn't feel didn't feel a thing afterwards in terms of pressures other than this 
clicking in the head, which no one told me about before. So I'm thinking, where's that? What's that sort of thing? I've I've heard many other people say that afterwards. Yeah, it, it, it lasts about a week or so. Just like, what's what's going on? That's an odd thing. But other than that, no. What, what about you guys? Did you have any sort of feel any change in pressure? Personally, I didn't know. To be honest, again the same with with the protective all over the head, but that that was that. But I, there was no. I always as uh, I always think you know it's it not a simple operation, but as what you've said earlier there of how much you know could be going on and then it's taken mm-hmm. out and everything that can but then you kind of feel like well they've done it now and it's it's I don't know I really have to explain that it's just like you know as though it's there must be somebody else with some some doing having something done that has a greater effect on them and obviously. For me, it was like you're in, you're done. There you go. Uh, but that was my my thoughts on it. Not the people looking after me; they obviously were amazing. But for me, it was almost like, wow, it's it's done. You know, and if you were told prior to that, you'd just think, well, wow, well, that's going to take years and years for me to recover. Or that's going to take years and years for me to be in the hospital. And everybody, like you said earlier everybody's situation and, and operation will be slightly different because we're all individuals but I didn't have any of the headaches or the pain or anything like that following so like I said I was very fortunate yeah same same for me I only had like say um, headaches just kind of straight after the surgery but but apart from that it, they quickly yeah quickly went and I literally feel yeah no different and general recovery is very speedy so yeah, it's very clever what they do. I think, you know, such a major surgery, really. But it's, you kind of just go on then. Well, I know I have, I've, I've gone on kind of living my normal life again. Don't feel any different in myself at all. And a question that people have asked me, and I'm always like, oh, I don't know. Like washing your hair when you've got a scar, what do you do? Do you wash oh, your it hair? Takes, it takes forever, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we need the video now, Rob. Yeah. 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 Um, so they just... <laughs> they For those recommend... listening, by the way, Rob has, uh, Rob has got um, a very nicely shiny head. Is, is that the right <laughs> way to describe it? Well, funnily enough, sorry, just to interrupt, funnily enough, no, that fine. was one of the ways they count or how they were calm when I first went in because one of them said I looked like a singer and I can't think who he said, but I told them a story. I had been told I looked like Harry Hill in the past. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so washing the hair is not a problem for me. Um, it's a good question, actually, because just while on the subject of hair, be, being a girl, um, I that was actually one of my, I have to be honest, that was one of my main concerns leading up to the surgery. I was like, what are you going to do to my hair? And my speech and language therapist, she's a lady, um, she was amazing. And she actually said, I can't guarantee it, but when you go in for the surgery, just ask your surgeon, because she knows him obviously very well. She said, ask your surgeon if he could just leave your hair and I'll be in there. And before he actually you know, goes in fully, I will braid your hair around the area that they need to go into. She said, I can't guarantee it, but if you just request it, I'll do what I can. And amazingly, when I came out and woke up, she'd braided my hair so neatly that it was literally just kind of down the side of my head 
but just one shaved, literally kind of one shaved area down the side of my head. And the rest of my hair was was all still there in full. So I was oh, so wow. happy. Yeah, because <laughs> it is a big thing. It is a yeah, huge thing. Is. Yeah, yeah. So and then after the surgery, um, I just they just advised to not wash my hair for a week, I think it was, until they removed um, the staples in, you know, from where they um, cut through but when they've been removed and they obviously confirmed that everything had healed to, to a good standard then yeah I, was, I feel like I was very delicate obviously with around the area still but yeah it wasn't long at all before I could get back into the normal hair washing <laughs> it's amazing listening to you talking about it. it I don't want to trivialize it but when you think about anyone thinking oh my god brain surgery I'm going to have you know a craniotomy they're going to be someone's going to be cutting in and doing something to my brain but when you actually listen to you it's amazing how well they do it and how well you recover it just is amazing isn't it yeah I'm just just for me on that on it is it, it, and I would advise anyone going through it to not be fearful of it but as we've said everyone is different so it mm-hmm. depends what you've got and where mm-hmm. it is but don't be fearful of the actual craniotomy itself and the process around it because the people doing it are geniuses and they do it this is their day job and it is a very yes everyone's different and there are issues that people do have but the majority of them go well and people make a, a very good recovery i mean just just on the hair thing just while because mine people say to me do you, should i shave my hair before i go in i'd say no. no they'll if they need to shave your head they will shave it where they need to cut so don't bother cutting your hair beforehand mine they have to sort of shave the triangle I guess because I hate thought of a better phrase, I had to peel peel the scalp back. And then they put it back in. So my wife was fantastic throughout and afterwards. So for the week afterwards, I'd advise people to wash your hair in um, baby shampoo. So it's brought back memories of when I was washing my kids. But yeah, so the, the baby shampoo and, and get your partner to just gently wash around the scar almost. And then, as, as Carly said, within about a week to two weeks, once you once you if you have them your staples are out you're off and running and my hair grew back within about three or four weeks it had you know it had grown back and you'd have never known what what had happened I was again pleasantly surprised should we say but um, yeah so it's cost me quite a few bunches of flowers since but my wife was superb at sort of just looking after me because I just wanted oh come on I'll wash it at all or I won't bother washing it for a week and no, you can't do that you got to watch it so. <laughs> The baby shampoo is a definite good idea. Absolutely. If somebody was come, to come up to you now and say, "I've got, you know, I'm going to have a craniotomy. You know, this is freaking me out. You know, I'm terrified." What would you say to them? What would your advice be? Um, I would say, obviously, it's it's normal to feel anxious. So don't try and just push those thoughts away. Um, it's normal to feel anxious or worried. But I think kind of, yeah, rest assured in a way that the people that are doing it for you, as Andy mentioned, that is their job. They do it daily. They're very professional in what they do. Um, And if there's any concerns or you would like any more advice or you have questions, then definitely approach your neuro team or um, anyone else that will be within the surgery because there is such a big team of people and it's just so normal to ring with queries or questions that I think the hospital 
or obviously uh, you know brain tumor charity will be really really helpful with so I think try and stay as calm as possible it's natural to feel anxious if there's anything that you think you need to know more about then just ask the question but try not to go I'd say into too much detail because you don't know and no one can tell you what you're going to experience until you do so yeah try to think very top line but but answer any questions that you may have to try and prepare for it what about you Rob is there anything that you would say to yeah that I agree with all of that to be to be fair and I think if you do have any questions don't feel like oh it's a silly question I can't ask that if anything does come across your mind and obviously everybody's different depending on what what family what friends what support they have in in their own life anyway but like you say the the neural team that you that you're given you know you, your story just there on on how they looked after your hair it, you're the most important person to them right there whilst you're with them and they will give you every every care that they can and um i think obviously like you say everybody is different but try and go in as as calmly and as as positively as you can and i'd say that team's there to do the very best for you and they're incredibly skilled so with fingers crossed that everything always goes goes brilliant anyway so overly worrying about it i know that's easy to say it's easy to say i don't mean anything by that overly worrying about it though you don't want that to cause you further concerns anything you want to know you can ask or like you say from the charity or somebody else who who you may know has had had something similar is there anything that you would take to hospital you know if you're going to be overnight that you would would now say i definitely would take you know carly you're going in again are there things that you think i'm definitely taking this this time yeah i took it before actually but they they did record someone recommended it to me before my first surgery but a playlist is essential in my in my opinion um <laughs> so wet because obviously when you're going through the awake craniotomy when you go down into the theater when they start everything you know they can start your playlist if you take one and request it to be played um which they did for me before and I'm going to do the same this time I mean I to be honest I don't know how long they play it for if, you, if you're waking up and they don't know if you're going to remember or not I'm not sure I'm not sure if they played it the, the whole thing because I obviously don't remember being awake but it definitely helped to calm me and um, when I first got in there and they were commenting saying how good the playlist was uh, <laughs> so that is that is definitely definitely for me anyway that was that really helped on the day and I'm, I've already got my playlist ready to take in again and to be honest I think for me just like kind of home comfort things um you know very simple things but just some comfy clothes to wear if you're in there you know a few days before you're discharged some snacks anything that just makes you feel a bit more like a home comfort what about you Rob you got anything that that you were like I wish I'd taken in or I'm glad I took this in well I wonder if I took a playlist if they'd have been singing whilst they were actually doing it that would have been a nice thing to hear <laughs> get the awake more. um I don't actually know if I took anything I think we we took in a, a puzzle book for afterwards and I was doing sudoku and little word searches and things like that and whether that and and honestly I carried on doing that for a long time afterwards and whether that was just a, a calming thing and a, and a nice thing just to have a little bit of focus on and enjoy doing 
I suppose it, it's taking in something that, like you say, the comfy clothes and something you're going to feel feel like your best with. For me, it was what exactly what you guys have said, plus uh, an extra long charger cable for your phone because you might not be right next to a phone. I know it sounds daft, but you know, the, if you take one of the little charger cables, it's a bit of a pain. And I did the same as Rob. I took a, a, a book of Sudoku's in because I wanted, out of curiosity, to work to, to, to see if I could do the same level of Sudoku's after my operation as before. Because that, for me, was quite a big deal. And thankfully, I could. And that helped me with my recovery because I thought, well, me, my sort of my brain's not been damaged in that respect. I can still do my Sudoku. So that actually gave me quite a lot of confidence. And then, just as Carla says, comfy clothes, snacks, drinks, things like lemon squash the little thing because the water gets a bit boring after a while and a nice pillow as well so take in a, in a pillow and and earplugs because it's really noisy in hospital if you've not been <laughs> in one before um there's buzzes and bells and all sorts going off sort of thing but uh once you've come around you, you don't really care because you're there and you're okay sort of thing most people i should say so um yeah i think that that'd be my sort of my my take on it i think we'll be starting to wrap up now so if there's anybody got any last words or anything that they'd like to sort of say? For me, it would be that I mean, I'm, I'm a normal, boring person. I'd never been to hospital before other than when I was born um, and my kids being born. So the thought of what I went through beforehand would have would have just scared me. But actually, when you go through it, it's, it's not that hard. Um, and I know everyone's different and everyone's, uh, you know, not everyone has a lucky outcome as, as we have where you've you've come out of the theater you come out of the operation and you've got on with your life and you can live a full active life so there is hope but just to be aware that you're in the hands of uh, we've said it before but you're in you're in the hands of experts and the actual day itself was probably the calmest i'd felt since i was first diagnosed and afterwards as well was was very calm so try not to overly worry about it stay off google don't go on on youtube because you'll scare yourself if you do i think uh and just just trust the experts because they know what they're doing it's their day job you're in a production line so you're just another one on on that line so don't feel like your operation is something that's bold or brand new or that's never been done before most of the operations people have are fairly typical and fairly common and therefore aren't anything to fear yeah, that's I, I totally agree with everything Andy just said. I think from yeah, from my side, it's no matter kind of what thoughts are going through your mind, it's normal for lots of things, you know, to be thinking of lots, but just try and remain as positive as possible. That will help keep you calm on the day. Um, it's normal to have the anxiety and don't try and push everything away but accept that they're all normal feelings and normal emotions but that the surgery that you're going in for a lot of people have had done um you're yeah you're you're with the experts and I think trust that you're in the best possible hands to have the best possible outcome and one other thing that I was going to mention which Andy did is is don't google anything um, that was actually advice that was given to me at first from my neurosurgeon. So I think that's also very important because that could be another thing to make you feel so nervous and even more anxious. So, yeah, try and do the best things possible to stay calm and trust 
the hands uh, that you're in on the day. And I think hopefully it won't take long for full recovery and for you to get back to as as best normal kind of life that that you had before. Yeah, I mean, I'll just repeat everything they, they've said. It's absolutely spot on. I mean, like I've said before, everybody's situation could be different, but you, you're in the hands of those those skilled people. I mean, I was incredibly lucky. My wife and my kids took care of me afterwards, and just incredibly so. And everybody, everybody's supportive network can be different, but that team that you're with will will do absolutely everything they can to make everything just as good for you. So I can never thank them enough. I never never forget forget them either. That's the level that they do it at. So yeah, that's probably the the best I have. <laughs> No, that's brilliant. That's perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both, Rob and Carly. Thank you so much for giving your time and sharing your experiences with everyone. I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening to this that are going to really appreciate hearing. And I hope so. More comfort to people and calmed quite a few people's nerves, I should imagine. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org or email our support team at support at thebraintumorcharity.org. And finally, before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, please can you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more people and raise more awareness. I'm Tamsin and I work in the individual giving team at the Brain Tumor Charity. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with a brain tumour and are worried about your finances, the Brain Tumor Charity's Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, run in partnership with Citizens Advice, is here to help you. Our expert advisors can help you access the financial support you're entitled to, as well as give advice on how to make the most of your money. To make an appointment with our Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, Visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org slash money or call our support team on 0808 800 0004.